wanna, I teach the uh, eighth grade class uh, once a week, uh, their religion class, two, 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 uh, two grades. And after the lesson a couple weeks ago, a uh, little bit of time, and so what we do when we have a little bit of time, I, and there's a basket there with questions in it that they've written, questions that these students have. And you know, the teacher's gone through it and taken out the ones that are not particularly necessary. And, <laughs> and so I, I just you know, take a random one, they don't put their names on it or anything, and I said, oh, this is a good one. Um, the question was, why does the church teach that it's wrong for uh, uh, men and women uh, to live together before they're married? And that's a great question. And so I talked about it in, a, in an age-appropriate way. And this is that all of us are called to exercise chastity according to our station in life. Chastity within marriage is that a man and woman are committed to each other and marital bed is reserved particularly for those two, but also that you know, when a couple gets up here and gets married and does their vows, you know, they're not married until they consummate it later in the marital bed, right? We know this. And, and so that, that's how important sexuality is. It's, it's, the, it's the sign by which, it's, it's part of the matter and the form of the, of the sacrament of marriage. It's not a sacrament until the couple who have conferred the vows in each other consummate those vows through the one flesh union. That's how important sexuality is, the exercise of our sexual gift. It is a gift, right? It has to be protected. It's fragile, it's powerful, it's amazing. And so it has to be within the context of that committed relationship. And, you know, they, you know, they have all these questions, you know, they, you know, so-and-so, you know, and, you know, I know this person, and I say, look, I'm not casting aspersions on anybody, I'm just telling you what he said, right? If you don't have a problem with me, you have a problem with him, right? And, and, and I said, let me tell you a story. And so I had, I, some time ago, in a different parish, I was counseling uh, this uh, young lady. Uh, who had been living with her boyfriend for a number of years. And she was just sad. And she didn't know what to do. She had come to a place where she just knew that this, she was, it, was, it, was, it was hurting her. And, and she didn't know what to do because her, her boyfriend didn't see any reason to get married. You know, we're, we're playing house, and you know, I, I get to share in the marital bed, even though I'm not married to you. It's like, why would I get married? You know, this is how he acted, and it just it was it broke her heart. She was bereft. This young lady, she was so hurt, and what's more, she felt conflicted because she was she had a she had only a, two choices. One is to stay in it and let this guy use me, who doesn't respect me, and I'm not even sure if he loves me. Or, or do I just say goodbye to him? And, and this is, she was so afraid that she wouldn't find somebody after all this time. And she, she, and she just wept. And I told this to the kids. They got that. They understood that. Got very quiet in the classroom. And here's a guy. And I said this to the kids. I said, this guy's a, in part my French, he's a loser. This is a guy who's a boy pretending to be a man. He's playing around with not just his sexual gift, but hers and treating it poorly. This is a guy 
who doesn't love you the way he's supposed to, if he loves you at all. It was very quiet in the classroom. The things we do to each other that hurt each other, especially when we play around with things like this. Now, I'll come back to it in a minute. Why am I talking about this in the Feast of the Holy Family? Do you see what Joseph's doing here? And he's a guy who's got plans, he's got dreams. And every time he turns around, he's getting shafted, so to speak. You know, it's, I can't have a normal, normal married life because I'm married to the Immaculate Conception. Is that ever part of a plan? Uh, I'm going to be the adoptive father of the Incarnation. Was that ever part of the plan? Am I going to have my own children? No. Was that part of the plan? I mean, I can't even set up my house. I have to flee to Egypt. And then when I'm, I'm there, I get told to come back. And he's getting yanked around all over the place. But what does he do? He prays. He dreams, new dreams, because the old ones didn't pan out, the ones he wanted. And says, rise, take the child, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. This is what God says to him. So he, he sleeps, he dreams, he prays, and then he rises, and the word there is resurrection. Same word used for Jesus' resurrection. He rises into the power and love of God to do what? To do his job. To take care of his family. To do what he is told to do by God as a man and as a father. He does it. Not just once, many times. Rise. Take Mary into your home. Rise. Marry her. Rise. Name him Jesus. Rise. Go to Egypt. Rise. Go to Nazareth. Do your job. And he does. When Herod had died, rise, take the child and his mother. Rise into the power of God and do your job. We have a crisis in our country, in our world of fatherhood. Men who don't do their jobs because the culture doesn't teach it. Others might not let them. They themselves don't know how, or they don't want to, like my friend at the beginning of this homily. World rises and falls on men doing their job. Families rise and fall on men doing their job. What what does the devil hate the most? Look what he attacks the most. Sexuality, fathers and families. Because that's the key. God has given us a family life, a structure, based on his own divine life. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the the bond of charity, the bond of charity, the Holy Spirit. Three persons in that one family, all doing their job. They're all God, but they all have a different 
focus. Father creates, Son redeems, Holy Spirit sanctifies. They're all doing their job. All equal in dignity, but different in focus. That's the family. And and our families are modeled on it. Father, Mary, who is an icon, who is overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, an icon of the Holy Spirit, and the Son. And they are equal in dignity, but they have different roles. And they have to do their job in order for the family to function properly. Men have to do their jobs. You are the Father. You are an image of the Father in the Trinity. There's a hierarchy in the Trinity. There's a hierarchy in the family. We don't like to hear that. Like we're all the same. No, we're not. Men have a role. Women have a role. Children have a role. That's what, the, that's what Paul was telling us today. But that role has a, a pecking order. The man has to take spiritual headship of his family. Because that's what God the Father does in his family. That's what men have to do in their families. We say, well, no, no. There's, there's nobody better or worse. I'm not saying that... <clears throat> Anybody's better than anybody else. I'm saying that everybody's equal in dignity, but we all have a different role. Somebody's got to be the one who dies to himself, who dreams and prays and rises into the power of, of the Father. Somebody's got to do it. You see, you know, Benedict said that in the, in the hierarchy of the family, in the proper functioning of the family, we are given the responsibility to put God at the center and ourselves at the periphery. And that we're tempted to say that my job as a father or a mother is to make sure that my son gets a good scholarship or plays sports so he can go to a good college, or my daughter, that she gets into the best college. And that's, my, that's our job. No, it's not. Your job is to get your kids to heaven. Your job is to get each other to heaven. That's your job. And then to the degree that you do it, all these other things which are important, colleges, sports, money, possessions, entertainment, all the things that kind of fill up our lives, those are all fine, but are they subordinated to the will of the Father? Are they subordinated to Christ? Paul says, and I, I asked Nomi to do the, the full reading, not the short form of Paul that leaves out that last part that we don't like. I want it read because Scripture challenges us sometimes. We've got to go right after it and say, what does he mean by that? I don't like what he said there, but I, I should understand what he's trying to say. And what does Paul say? Wives, be submissive, subordinate to your husbands. Husband, love your wife. Unto the Lord, as Christ loves his church. So what this reading that Paul says is is how we live as a family, but at the heart of it is a father who loves his wife and his kids the way Christ loves his church. What did Jesus do for his church? He did this. Dads, get up on your cross and do what you're supposed to do. That's what that reading says. Because if I'm a father and I have subordinated all the things in my life to, to the Lord, If he's first, then 
everything I do in my life will create harmony within my family. Yes, college is important, sports are important, money is important, but my kids and my wife getting to heaven are the most important thing. And if that is my vision. If I have slept and I have dreamed and I have prayed and I have risen into the power of the risen Lord, it's his power that I am exercising in my family and it creates harmony because we're all being formed in the mission of discipleship. This is hard stuff. This reading isn't about, this Paul reading isn't about dads bossing their wives around, no. Wives aren't slaves, and the husband's not better. Equal in dignity, different in function. Somebody has got to be able to say, I'm going to die so that these people can live forever. And that's the dad. Pray, rise into the power of the risen Lord, and do your job. This is what the Lord's telling us. You know, and the, and the, the difficulty that comes when we don't do it right, the, the disharmony in the family, spoiled kids, a breakdown in marital communication, a breakdown in marriage. Do you know, like some right, people in this church right now, their hearts are broken. Because the father doesn't step up, or the father's not there. Yeah. But the harmony that comes when we allow the Lord to be the one that we subordinate everything to. My goodness, it's beautiful. It's hard. And what happens when we don't? Like, if you go to Genesis. They had everything, harmony in the family, harmony with God. And then they didn't trust that God was going to be a good father, so they took what they wanted. Like that guy is taking what he wants from that girl and breaking her heart. They took. And it opened their eyes to sin. And they no longer saw their spouse with the eyes of that perfect bond of charity they saw their spouse with concupiscence and lust, grasping and taking. The default position of men became domination. Men dominate women. The default for women to protect themselves from that domination is manipulation. Men take, they dominate to get what they want. Women, to protect themselves, manipulate to get what they want. This is our default. I'm not saying this is what we do. It's our default, our sinful, original sin default. And if we don't have a Lord in our family as the center, and if a father doesn't lead his family, that's where the disharmony comes from. Manipulation, domination, people afraid that they're not going to get taken care of, that they're not loved, that the father doesn't love them, and so they take in the way that's open to them. Our families are so broken, some of them. If you get the Father right, you get the world right, brothers and sisters. It's not just your family that depends on it. It's the church. It's our country. It's our culture. It's the world. That's how important this is. And we can't dismiss these readings because we don't like how they sound. The heart of these readings is the medicine that will heal all of us and all that ails our culture. It's right here.
When, when Jesus says, husbands, die. <clears throat> die, for, die for your wife like Christ has died for the church. When you see your husband doing this, when you see him doing what you want him to do, it's not a matter of submission or subordination. How, he's doing what you want when he does this. Let him do this. Encourage him to do this. Tell him to do this. Because this is what you want him to do. And when he does it, it's like natural. He's, he's, he's my better half. He is, he's my other self. He's doing what, it, what he's supposed to do and what I want him to do. I'm not subordinating myself to anything. I'm following Christ. But dads, this is all about you today. You're awesome men. And why do those 120, 50 guys get together every Saturday morning in the dark uh, at Crane Road for that man is you? Because they're starving. To know how to, to be the men they're supposed to be, to be the dads they're supposed to be. They're praying, they're being accountable, they're learning. It's, it's, in, it's in men. You want to do it. Just pray. Go to Mass. Go to confession. Raise your kids the right way. Expect the best from them. Keep them away from bad stuff. Demand uh, that of them. But do it with love. As Paul says, don't make them disheartened. It's a big job. Here's, here's you know, I'll leave it with this. So I kind of got off on a tangent today. Uh, I'll leave it with this. As the new year begins, dads, if you do anything else this year, do this one thing. Pray with your wife. Pray with her. Because you're, you stood there and, and became a sacrament, which says that you are Christ. Can you be Christ without Christ? No. So what sense does it make to pray alone and not with your spouse when the one who is Christ for you is her or him. You've got to pray together. It doesn't make sense as a sacrament, as one body, to pray separately. You can do it, that's great, but you also got to do it with your spouse. And it's hard. It's like, oh, I don't even know how to pray by myself, let alone with my spouse. I'm embarrassed. It's awkward. It's like learning Italian. How do you speak words to people you don't, you know, how do you speak words that are unfamiliar to you? So, Guys, you're good at things. You're good at fixing things. You're good at lists. So do that. Sit with your wife. At the end of the day, if you put the kids to bed, or you're laying there in bed, look up at the ceiling and hold hands with your wife and make a list. You guys are good at lists. Make a list. Look at the ceiling. Close your eyes. And just say, Lord, I'm thankful. These are the great things that happened today. Thank you. Lord, these are the things I struggle with today. Thank you. Lord, this is where I sin today. Don't say thank you. And, <laughs> and, and Lord, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's in my heart. I'm giving it to you. You're talking to God, but you're talking to God. You're talking to Jesus in the, in the presence of the one who is Christ for you. And your wife hears you doing this, what she wants you to do, and then she's going to respond. Not as a subordination or a submission, but as, as a desire because you are what you are supposed to be. You're being the man who, who you are called to be. You are, you are being the one who is going to make her the one she is called to be. And she is making you that same thing. Huh? 
all the beauty of it. And I know it's hard. If you're going to do one thing, pray with your spouse. Please. And I promise you, it'll make all the difference. God bless you.